Hello and welcome to Viva Pod Vegas. I'll talk about it. This is episode four, King Creole from 1958. I'm Mike Manzi. And I'm Joey Lewandowski. Mike, I have a question for you. Who, what, who is King Creole? Yeah. the club. Is Elvis King Creole? No. Is the maybe, club owner King Creole? Maybe by the end, Elvis becomes King Creole, but I feel like... Because in the song like, King Creole, he's singing about a person, but yeah. in the movie, it's the club. But it's not the club owner, the 40-year-old man, if you, <laughs> which really, <laughs> who has designs on his 20-year-old sister. But no, I don't think we ever meet him. I think maybe he's a New Orleans legend. You know what a 40-year-old man should say to a 20-year-old girl, right? What? That he's 38. <laughs> oh, yeah. So bad. Uh, apparently, anyway. that's a thing. Okay, so and now, we'll Mike, there. Before, before we go any further, please let the listeners know, oh, yeah. what is Let's... King Creole all about? Jumping right in there. Yes, so please. Elvis, Plot summary. Okay. Takes place in New Orleans. Like we mentioned, Elvis is a second-year senior, mm-hmm. from what I can recall, in high school. 19 and years old. 19 years old. And how old did you say he was in this movie? 23. 23 playing a 19-year-old, so not that bad. Not that bad. On the very last day of school, when he's finally going to graduate, he gets there late because of problems with his before-school job, because huh. his family's pretty poor, his dad gave up, and his mom passed away. He doesn't graduate, so he has to think of other things to do, so he joins a gang, which is pretty great. The gang of the guy whose brother he beat up, we'll get there. The gang led by Vic Morrow. Yeah, yeah, that's right. I was, I was, I liked that a lot. He has a job as a busboy at this uh, nightclub run by Maxie, who's played by Walter Matthau, who's just a real mm-hmm, mean son mm-hmm. of a bitch, who like has his hands in everything. He leaves that place and starts singing at the King Creole, like we mentioned, the only place that Maxie doesn't have any kind of connections to. His dad gets a job at the pharmacy, but he's really mad because his dad's like this pushover who can't stand up for himself. His sister falls in love with the owner of the King Creole, and that goes pretty well. Okay, so what ends up <laughs> a lot is going on here but what ends up happening is elvis is set up to rob his own father to blackmail him in order to leave the king creole and go play at one of maxi's joints and like sort of work for him now and elvis just like can't stand for that so it erupts it like turns into like a really dark noir sort of halfway through and like especially at the end when elvis gets into like knife fights and fights for his freedom for his family and to sing and eventually at the end uh, walter Matthau is killed and everyone's safe from his criminal grip and elvis is free to sing wherever he wants so he goes to the king creole and becomes the headliner and presumably everybody's cool for a while and they live happily ever after so i'm gonna say right here that i think the first like two-thirds of this movie are like perfect nice and then i think once the movie's like oh right we need to tell a story mm-hmm. it like it slows down a little bit this is kind of widely regarded as Elvis's best movie, which I can, yeah, we're four in. I mean, I think this is head and shoulders above everything that we've seen so far. Directed by Michael Cur- Michael Curtiz, is that how you pronounce it? Cur- Curtis Curtiz, the guy who directed Casablanca. It is the third and final black and white Elvis movie. Okay, good. This is also Elvis's longest movie. It's like an hour 55. Okay, good. So we are basically not breaking new ground here, but we are ending old ground here, essentially. Yeah, transitioning. Here's what we do before, before we talk about the movie. There's only one tagline for this, okay? Oh. Oh my god, that's rare. It probes I don't I don't know I don't know. I don't know, Mike, I don't know. Okay. It probes with the heartbeat of today's youth. Oh man, what? Does that, that has that nothing even to do mean? with anything. Probes the heartbeat. Probes I mean, with the heart. Probes with the heartbeat of today. You know, it's kind of funny because for a while I was thinking as he was singing, like I was looking at the crowds, like, this is not the crowd to this music. <laughs> like, where are all the teens? Where are the kids? Like, that is a strange tagline. 
and there are teens around it. I will get to the behind the scenes making of, but people uh-huh. were like all up in Elvis. Of course, all well, yeah. in his business. Yeah, yeah. For a movie that is so specifically New Orleans and music and jazz and whatever, it probes with the heartbeat of today's youth. I still can't. It's not about really... this movie. I don't know what it means. Does that help sell anything? I don't think so. I mean, all of it. I mean, maybe that just refers to Elvis. Like, he's the heartbeat of today's youth, and this movie is probed by him throughout. There are some moments where he is, like, super creepy Elvis in this, and he's trying to probe other things. But that's all I could really get to is, like, no, it has nothing to do with the content, any of that kind of... Maybe some of the songs, but I think it's just like, hey, Elvis is in this movie. That's what the tagline might might be trying to say. like... A new movie with Elvis. Want to see it? <laughs> so there are 11 songs in this movie. We'll, I know. We'll, we'll, we'll get to them when we go through the plot. Only one one song not sang by Elvis. By 49 the stripper. Who, the banana song. Who drove people to the gold rusher. They found her in San Francisco before the gold rusher caused the gold rusher, whatever. So could, if it could just, like, did you get heavy King Kong vibes from that performance? Like, the guy drumming behind her in shadow was doing it like a big mm. ape, sort of, and she was, you know, talking about being peeled like a banana and, and she all She has literal bananas on her outfit, which is amazing. Yeah, which is just, you know, phallic symbolism all over the place. So here are the 11 songs. We'll go through it again, plus the banana song. So there's Crawfish, mm-hmm. Steadfast, Loyal, and True, mm. Lover Doll, Trouble, then the aforementioned banana, Dixieland Rock, mm-hmm. Young Dreams, New Orleans, Hard-Headed Woman, The Titular, King, King Creole, Creole, Don't Ask Me Why, and As Long As I Have You. Yeah. So. It's a full album. Yeah. I think that there's a whole, there's a King Creole album, I think there's maybe, there's either 12 or 13 songs, like it's either in the other movies that we've done so far, there have been albums for that, or maybe they're made after the fact, or whatever. Like or on there's Spotify, songs appear up, on albums. But yeah, yeah, it's either like they're from different places, or there's an album for the movie, but there's songs that weren't in the movie. But this mm-hmm. is like, I, this might be the start of like, hey, there's going to be a dozen songs, an album worth of songs in the movie. Get them all in one place. Yeah, it's like, it's kind of cool. It's kind of like this exclusive thing where it's like you can go to the record store and get an Elvis record, but if you want like the King Creole music, you got to come see the movie first, yeah. and then you can buy the record yeah. like of the King Creole soundtrack kind of thing. So here is the uh, the background information to this movie. So right. Elvis Presley would later say that of all the characters he's ever played and all the movies he's ever acted in, this was his favorite. Really? That the Danny character was his favorite, and King Creole was his favorite movie. I'm a little worried where hearing all of this so so soon, early so soon if the four movies and there's like 28 to go <laughs> and it's like we've already watched the best it's elvis's favorite like that that oh, man i am happy though like i didn't I, again I, we keep saying i think on every episode we didn't know what to expect and i'm sort of surprised that we got an, a movie this good okay i you hear know? what you mean i've never seen this movie before and i had I, only thought I was like, oh yeah, Jailhouse Rock is like a good Elvis movie. It's like, no, this like blows that out of the water. Yeah. It's like miles and miles above it. This would be good without Elvis, you know? Like, it's good with Elvis. It's probably better because he can sing all the songs well, and stuff. Speaking of that, this was originally written for James Dean. Whoa. The part. But then he died, of course, uh-huh. in 1955. And so then they staged, I guess they just had a script that just like, it's written. And so they staged an off-Broadway version of it. Oh. And then when Elvis, they were trying to figure out if they could recast it or whatever, and they finally were like, hey, like, let's do Elvis. And so they reworked it. And so he was originally a boxer in New York, and hmm. then he was 
be- it became you know a singer in New Orleans. So like Whoa. it's the, it's a similar I guess kind of story. <laughs> they or maybe not. They really reworked. That's a whole different movie. Like what is the same about? Did he box at one nightclub and then go like to another nightclub and box there? No, I mean I, that, it was probably just like a. You know, it was probably like a like a noir, like anything yep. else. And now they just they like we can add music, but let's also add like a colorful location and a place that the nightclubs are maybe a little more sort of like exotic. You can still do the crime there. You know, the crime stuff. Crime still is global, fits. baby. Yeah, right. That's right. So speaking of noir, Michael Curtiz, the director, said he shot the film in black and white for a dramatic ambiance and gave the to give the streets a film noir appearance. Yeah, it has that. And the other directorial flourish that he did or the choice that he made was to surround the relatively inexperienced Elvis with an established cast of like Walter Matthau and Vic Morrow and so, so on. So it, it's kind of funny because at times or maybe throughout maybe it's part of the style but I feel like everybody's sort of overacting to sort of match Elvis a little bit or to make him look a little better or, or, or just that they're all on the same kind of level but like there are some extremely dramatic sequences mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying where it's like would be parodied today I think but it's just the style at the it's time it's also 62 years ago that's what right? I mean it's just the way it's still enjoyable so speaking of Elvis in that role, speaking of Elvis sort of as the inexperienced, maybe not the best actor in the thing. But mm-hmm. when Michael Curtiz hired him, he apparently told Elvis to lose 15 pounds and shave his sideburns. Oh. And Elvis was like, whoa, like he was taken aback, quote, taken aback. Oh. But he did both of them. I'm taken aback. Before filming began, Michael Curtiz thought that he was going to be a, quote, conceited boy. Right. Not a poor boy, but a conceited boy. After oh, a few weeks oh, of working oh. together, he described Elvis as a lovely boy who would go on to be a wonderful actor. Nice. And then when Elvis died, Walter Matthau said he was an instinctive actor, quite bright, very intelligent. He was not a punk. He was very elegant, sedate, and refined and sophisticated. Wow. So these people had nothing but good things to say about Elvis the actor. That seems to be the way it is, you know. Let's see, everyone kind of at first is like, oh, not Elvis. And then they're like, wow, Elvis is just like everyone else. Like, he's a good actor. He can do this, that, whatever. You know, he's not just a one-trick pony. So this is the last movie that he would make before he was drafted into the Army. Yes. The next movie we're doing is G.I. Blues, which I'm guessing mm. is probably drawing on his... Army experience. Exactly. Of all the singing he did at the Army. He was actually supposed to... Get drafted or leave for war or leave for the army whatever basically as they started shooting this but then the studio petitioned and they were granted a 60 day extension before Elvis went away so they basically filmed it I think it debuted and then he left either the next day or like the next week or something like that so it was like a very we need X amount of time if you take him we are going to lose millions of dollars or whatever the production was right right and so we need and they're like all right fine cool i don't know if you recognize did you recognize the girlfriend um nelly yeah no so she was the girlfriend in loving you no way yeah huh she's so in back. both of those movies elvis is seemingly in love with an older woman and then finally at the end realizes oh yeah dolores hart is the uh so wait the one she was the Brother's wife? No, 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 no. It, Loving You is the one where he tours with the Texas. Oh, the, the, I'm sorry. The other one is. They're uh, all the same movie. No, it's, okay. it's the same movie, but it's got. It doesn't it have like Loving You in the title or something? Or Love I, Me Tender. Love Me Tender. That's the one. Which I was originally called of. Loving You, I think. Something like or that. Or vice versa. All right, we're already four movies in, and I can't get them all straight. We haven't watched these in a while. I think we were doing like December and January. But that's right, a good so. point. This this movie is very different than the others as far as there's no there. It's not Elvis's story as far as like oh we discovered. 
this guy who can sing, and now we're going to give him a record contract, and now he's going to be a big star, and it's not, and then he's going to forget it was all about the music, and you know, this is different than that. He yeah. just goes and sings in a nightclub for the whole movie. So Dolores Hart, a couple years after making this movie, would leave Hollywood to become a nun. Whoa! I think in 2012, I, I believe the year, but I think it was 2012. Somebody made a doc, a short documentary about her that was Oscar nominated. It was titled a quote that she said. And the name of the documentary was "God is the Bigger Elvis." Which nice. is a great title. <laughs> Carolyn Jones, who I think plays Ronnie in this, refused to kiss Elvis while making this movie, even though they smooched several times in this movie, of course. And she said she shied away from him one time because she had the flu. And she said, I remember saying, Elvis, don't kiss me, you'll get sick. And he said, don't worry about it. He kissed me and then immediately went away to the army. <laughs> so, you know, as we record this, as the coronavirus is sweeping the world. Oh, right, right. You know, Elvis right. is bringing yeah. the flu from mm -hmm. Ronnie overseas. Yeah, transmitter. Mm -hmm. This movie reached number five on the Variety box office earnings chart, so it was a pretty big hit. Damn. It has 100% on Rotten Tomatoes. No. Wow. I mean, what? it's a weighted average of 6.79, so everybody thinks it's a good movie, but it's not like a great movie. You know what I mean? Like, it's a well-made Elvis's best movie to date. Like we are saying, you know, on IMDb, it has a 7, which is the highest so far. On Letterboxd, is a 3.4, which is the highest so far. Like, this is sort of far and away the mm -hmm. best Elvis movie so far. We're going we're gonna to get into problems later, and just in the sense that, like, we might not get, quote-unquote, better movies, but I think I'm going to like stuff more than this down the line. Like, I'm just, I just, like, I just what wasn't... What are looking for in an Elvis movie? I don't think I know. I don't know, but I, I don't think it's noir. Like, I don't think it's Elvis noir. Like, it's not that it's bad. It kind of reminded me of Sonny a little bit, where I was like, I don't know if Franco is exactly, like, right for this, oh. but, like... You know, I was getting those kinds of vibes, and okay. I don't know. I don't know. It, it just caught me off guard. Like, I mean, I guess that's good, though, you know, because it just, like, completely sideswiped my expectations. And I was like, I guess Elvis can do noir, but when they're, like, running on the pier at the end, and they're bleeding, and he's, like, Elvis was in and, like, stabbed several times, I'm like, this is going a little too far for an Elvis movie. Well, that's what I like about it, because it's like, <laughs> this isn't what I expected at all, you know what yeah. I mean? Like, yeah. there are, there's strippers, and there's gangs, there and are. there's murder, and there's muggings, yeah, and there's that, crime. One of the main characters is a call girl, right? And she just keeps reminding Elvis, like, don't you get it? I belong to him. Like, I'm a floozy. I'm a tramp. <laughs> and the last bit of trivia is that Paramount did a 4K remaster of this that debuted last oh, year. I wish I watched that, because so far, all my Elvis movies' quality are, like, crap. Oh, I will say, so I was so annoyed that I was trying to figure out, because I think we've talked about before, that basically all the Elvis movies come in, like, these four packs, these eight packs, whatever. Right. You just buy one and get most of them. There's a couple duplicates. Last time we were talking about how I watched Jailhouse Rock, and I was like, this kind of looks like shit. Yeah, like this, yeah, Whatever. Yeah. I own it on Blu-ray. I didn't even look at the Blu-ray. Oh. Um, There's, like, a three Blu-ray pack. So, whatever. <laughs> I don't think it would have made me like that movie anymore. But, no, but, but I was sitting there watching it going, like, I wish I had a nice copy of this movie. Or I wish the available copy of I think it looks pretty that. nice. No, I'm, it's okay. I just meant the print. You know what I'm saying? I'm yeah. not saying it's shot and it's an ugly film. I'm just saying, like, the, the transfer. I was like, wow, this is just someone just slopped this on DVD. Well, similarly, well, I think that's just what happens when you have, like, four movies for $6 or whatever, right? It's just yeah. like, let's just get it out there. Similarly, if you listen to the album on Spotify, there's, like, a hiss under all of it. Like, you know, oh, if okay. you sort of remaster the, you know, I don't know. So, so we start off, and there's... Uh, People just saying they're salesmen singing about turtles and berries oh, and gumbo. Made me think of Kyle. Well, so here's I was like, this thing. is a famous food scene for sure. This is both a foodie film and a high school slumber party I film. I couldn't this believe is it. Both Hoff Bros, two other shows on the network. Well, three of the shows on the network if you count because of Hoffman. And, or four if you count Cage. This is a Cage domain in New, New Orleans, Orleans. You know, it checks so many boxes. But we have people singing about food in the opening, and then we take a credit scene and we go right into Crawfish, where he yeah. is singing alongside this woman named Kitty White 
who's an LA-based jazz singer. We never meet her in the movie, no. right? We just see her across the street. It just feels like every morning they just like sing back and forth a call and repeat. Yeah. Except the second time she sings it, he doesn't sing back. He's just like, yeah, it's crawfish time. <laughs> True, true. He's got to say, I got to get to work. You, you mentioned in the plot summary that he works at a club. He sweeps up at this club, right? Mm-hmm. The one that's owned by Maxie. Yeah. But we don't meet Maxie from the beginning, right? No. We, we meet it takes him a later. while. We meet Ronnie and a couple of his thugs or whatever. Yeah. And they're like, oh, I hear you can sing or whatever. He kind of gets bullied into singing his high school anthem. And that's when it really sinks in that he's a high school kid. I mean, they're talking about graduation and stuff in like the first scene with his sister. And they're like, you know, daddy always wanted you to graduate high school i was like high school i was like not college or i was like not a college education this is crazy well what i do love you know we you mentioned cage a little bit ago we, we there are so few movies where cage was a family man and like he had like a sister like here elvis with a sister is a nice touch oh, like, I, think I mean is... elvis all the time i mean he married his brother's wife like he's always a family boy like it seems very very true not in real life no in, no 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 in, in love me tender in love me tender where the ghost of Elvis appears at the end. He then also, after he sings Steadfast, Loyal, and True, he defends Ronnie's honor. He tries to anyway. So Carolyn Jones, who played Ronnie, was Oscar-nominated for the movie called The Bachelor Party. Not Bachelor Party with... No, not Hanks. Hanks, but in 1957's The Bachelor Party. Huh. She's good. What I loved seeing here is that very early on, like, you know, we're like 10 minutes into the movie, and he breaks two bottles. Like, he's ready to cut a oh, guy. Oh, I know. Double fist and broken bottles. I was like, this kid's got a temper. And he says, now you know what I do for an encore. I was like, ooh, ooh that shit there's a couple good lines that's yep. that's like a very famous line i feel and i was like did that originate in this movie maybe. it may be because that's so a great is, line so this is based on a 1952 best-selling novel so i don't know if that was original to the screenplay or i don't know okay. if that was original to the novel or where it came from but like there's a couple lines here and i'm like well, those are some good burns there's another one where someone's like yeah he's a good boy he fights real dirty i was like that's a great <laughs> that's a great line later Elvis is talking about, like, you know, Ronnie says, you know, maybe there can be an accident, we can meet up or something. And he says, maybe tell me where that accident will happen and I'll be there. It's like, what? what? It's, so, it's like city slick and talk. I love it. I know. Were they a relocated family or something when the mom disappeared? Did they say anything about that in I this movie? I don't understand the history because there was the, the shore house or whatever. Yeah, it seems like they used to be kind of wealthy because he takes that girl, Nellie, to see their old house. Yeah. And he's like, that's when things were good. And, like, we had plenty, good and plenty. Just like the food. Just mm-hmm. like this. <laughs> mm-hmm. And he's like, and now they're not good in plenty. They're bad and... Uh, few. Few, yeah. And far between. Mm-hmm. So he goes from the club to the school. He gets called to the principal's office, and Mrs. Pearson, whoa, the whoa, teacher... Whoa, 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 whoa. Hold on a second. He pulls up to the school. Oh, right, yeah, yeah I forgot about this. <laughs> and the and the friends and the people at school are like, hey, what you got with you? Like some kind of hooker or something? And he makes out with her in front of everybody, and then just lights into a guy. Dude, just some guy's like, way guy. to go, Elvis. And the guy's like, shut up, you. And he punches him right, right in the face. And we later find out that that's Shark's brother. That's yeah. Vic Morrow's brother. Later, after Vic and, Morrow tries to mug Elvis, dude, and Elvis, like, Almost oh beats God. him up. He's um, just like, it's just. Yeah, a, um, you know, you're right. My my kid does. My kid brother does need to learn some manners. Like I know we got to talk about the principal and stuff, but that is an amazing scene when Vic Morrow's like, "Hey, you're the guy who beat up my brother. I'm gonna kick your ass." And Elvis like takes him out immediately, and he's like, "I'm sorry. I'm sorry." And then he's like, "You want to hang with us? Be part of a." I'm like, "What the hell is going on here? It's amazing." I was, I was thinking, and this is not at all about Elvis, and I don't know why I thought of this other than I've been watching a lot of basketball lately. But there's a new player on the Pelicans. Oh, actually, perfectly tied in. New Orleans Pelicans ah. has a rookie named Zion Williamson who was on Duke last year, who was tearing up NCAA or whatever. He was great, and he's this huge guy. He's like the second heaviest guy in the league, but he's so quick. 
and the thing that people talk about is his explosive first step. Mm. And I feel like watching Elvis, like I'm scouting Elvis, nice. and it feels like Elvis, like you know, he's looking at Vic Morrow, and there's two guys to his right, and it feels like before anybody can react, Elvis has like taken a step and like has him against the wall. He's like, you can you can oh, yeah. fight me, but I'm gonna break his neck against the wall. They're he's like so fast. All right, so that's just fast. like it's the furiousness. Yes, the Ooh, nice. He's furious. Yes. He does this. I'm just like, it's like you can't, you can't stop him. No, you want him on your side. Don't be an enemy of this kid. So he's in the principal's office with a teacher <laughs> and the principal, <laughs> and he's not going to graduate because he decked that kid. And he calls the teacher honey, <laughs> and she's like, like "Hold never, on here, honey." She's never. Like, I've been 30 years, and no one's ever <laughs> called me honey. <laughs> and she's like, "Because of that, basically, you're not graduating." Yeah. And then he tells the principal, he's like, "I'm not a hoodlum," because she's like, "Oh wait, he's, yeah, he's, he's trouble." You know, he's just a bad boy. He's a poor boy. Whatever. Poor boy. And he, he, she leaves, and he says, "I'm not a hoodlum, but I am a hustler." Yeah, because the principal's like, "I don't want to see you growing up to be a hoodlum or a hustler." And he goes into this story about his son who was a hoodlum and ended up dying. I think I can't remember exactly. And I was like, "Okay, this is where we're getting into like this is huge at the time with juvenile delinquency." I was yeah. like, "This is great. Like it's going to be Elvis the juvenile delinquent like out in the streets for a while, like getting into trouble, being you know bad kid, and and that kind of is what goes on for like a while. Like he you know he immediately leaves." School school and the Vic Morrow gang tries to jump in. This reminds me, this scene in the principal's office reminds me of Love, Loving You. Remember where Glenda, the manager, takes on City Hall? She's just like, <laughs> yes. hey, I just took on City Hall. Like, it feels like Elvis is taking on City Hall where he's trying to like vouch for his... his yeah, because yeah, he, he comes back, he's like, look at here, principal. He's like, my daddy don't work. I have like four jobs. You know, before school, I was dealing with all this shit. He's like, get off my back, man. And the principal's like, you're right, you're right. <laughs> like, but also, like, Elvis doesn't want to grow he doesn't care he just wants to make money because he basically he is at his core a family man he wants to make sure that his dad and his sister are okay i think he feels a little hemmed in by the fact that his dad just won't work well it becomes like this generation gap kind of understanding thing where his dad's like you got to learn a trade you got to learn a trade and go to school and get a graduate degree because he's a pharmaceutical guy he's a pharmacist you know he doesn't understand that like elvis can make money singing music and that he's like talented and has this great like ability and stuff and it's just like the sign of the times kind of thing where it's like sign O the times sign <laughs> it's a big sign in lights that are we gonna make this says a Dirk podcast? Diggler and so like I think it's kind of an interesting commentary the movie's trying to make where it's like all these new sort of like ideas about what's a profession are sort of popping up in America now where it's like oh where you used to be sort of like a jazz bow roused about whatever like now you could actually make money being like a jazz star or musician or something about is a future one of his movies isn't it yes it is all right and jazz bow is what is from the Superman 3 novelization Ooh. It's what Richard Pryor called somebody I'm on fire man what would Richard Pryor say so I think what's interesting <laughs> about character development in this movie is that his dad is routinely characterized as a man who thinks he knows best right that they show him every time at the pharmacy where he's just like oh, right. hey like i appreciate it but like you're doing this wrong <laughs> like you cut it in here and the guy's like why won't you understand that i'm your boss shut up and mop yeah. and it seems like through the entire movie like it's effective in that like he his dad might know best but he also doesn't know his place not in a bad way but like he wants the best for his son he wants mm-hmm. to basically help his boss mm-hmm. but he also needs to realize that he's like literally his first day on the job maybe don't tell your boss that you're he's doing <laughs> things wrong yeah or when your son has like a legitimate upstanding business offer to make good money do you ever realize that they both sort of had shit bosses like elvis eventually has to deal with walter Matthau's character but 
but his dad's boss, right? So, like, he goes in there, and Elvis's dad is like, 40 years of experience. The guy won't hire him. And then that guy's boss comes in, and he's like, why won't you hire him? And he's like, because he's too old. And the guy's like, the last four young people you hired sucked. Hire this man. And so yeah. the guy's like, begrudgingly hires Elvis's dad, and he's like, should be that dude's boss you know what i'm saying like Elvis's yeah. dad should be running the show so it's like everybody's stuck on these places in the ladder that they you know don't deserve to be really yeah uh we have a scene that you mentioned before that you acted out before beautifully where Vic Morrow <laughs> and his gang try to take elvis down but elvis quickly gets the upper hand and, and gets an invite to the gang which is just amazing oh my like God. i've never seen that like never if you can't beat him join him or ask him to join you i guess or yeah that was amazing. It kind of reminded me of. I mean, this is a this is a crazy. I'm gonna pull this, but you remember in Rocky Five, Rocky gets his son is beat up like half the movie, and then he finally stands up for himself. Remember, he's like, "Go for it. You want my coat and stuff?" He's like, "Go for it," and he beats the hell out of the bullies. And then like two scenes later, they're all hanging out together, like watching television on Christmas. It's like that syndrome, whatever you call that. Well, it's like the Office Space quote. Speaking of Superman three, it's like the first day of prison, <laughs> either become someone's bitch or kick someone's ass. Right, like you know, right, just yeah. exert your dominance. And like, ah, he's all right. <laughs> like, I guess if you show people you're crazy, then you like it's weird that you become friends. Like, I can see but them not hating you, but like becoming friends, wanting is, like, to join up. Elvis then go try. His dad tries to like talk him into the school. He's like, I'm not going back to school. And then he hates his dad for basically never throwing his. He's like, I've turned too many cheeks. I got no more cheeks to turn. And he talks about how like his dad got punched in the face or something. And, like, just oh took yeah. It. When I was a little kid, I saw Daddy get punched in the face, and that's why he's got such a hot temper. He's like. Daddy's like meek and this, and I will never be like that. It feels like most of Elvis's personality and character in this movie is defined by things he has seen his dad take. Yeah. Like, he walks into the pharmacy twice in this movie, and both times his dad is getting <laughs> reamed out. It's just like, he's got the worst timing, or this is happening 100% of the time, in which case... Why are you still like? Why has he not been fired? Or why has he not quit? I don't know. It was funny when he went in the first time, and he's like uh, to the to, to his dad's boss. He's like, he's like, look, last time I was here, you gave me the wrong medicine. I almost died. <laughs> he's like, you should listen to this man. He knows what he's talking about. It's like, how do you know Elvis? <laughs> and then the, the the pharmacist is like. Yeah, okay. <laughs> and I like that Elvis is about to become, like, I guess he's not yet, but he's about to become, like, the most famous man in New Orleans, and this guy does not know that he's this new hire's son, right? Right, just right. Like, that they're not related at all. Yeah, it's just like, hey, yeah, I think this guy's uh, really good. You should it, give him a raise. It's also incredible to, to remind yourself the whole time that he's 19 in this movie, and yeah. that he's just a teenager, and his life is so crazy like this. No. Uh, so his dad refuses to let him get work because he has the legitimate job offer, and he says no, and so then he goes back to Vic Moore, he's like, hey... You said I can make money, right? He's like, yeah, yeah, come with me. So then, this is my favorite thing, I think, in any Elvis movie amazing. ever. He pulls a Roman in Furious yep. 7, yep. where he is the distraction, <laughs> and he goes into the cl- it goes Dude, into the five and dime. I thought of Fast and Furious so hard. And he sings Lover Doll as he's singing, and the entire store is just like, hey, impromptu musical performance. Yeah, this is amazing. Look All at of Vic Morrow's gang steal a bunch of stuff. One guy just walks, walks out with a bicycle. <laughs> And so then he sits down at the counter, and Nellie, Dolores Hart, you know, his former girlfriend from two movies ago, is like, hey, so you were in on that, huh? And she, he's like, I don't, I don't know what you're talking about. Oh, my God. And, and she's and, like, I like that you were in on that, though. 
which is the crazy... So, okay, so the entire <laughs> movie, I don't understand, and I feel like this is just the common thread in all the Elvis movies, both movies specifically, I don't know why he doesn't realize that Dolores Hart is perfect, and he always wants to get in with an older woman who's wrong for him. Yeah, I mean, that's just the way like, things are Like, literally in this movie, young... Ronnie has to die for him to be like, <laughs> Aria, she's pretty good. Like, you know, Ron, you know, Nellie's pretty good. I don't know. I think part of it is things have always sort of been like that, where it's like, for men and women in movies more often, it's... It's like, well, the older the the older experienced person is the more interesting, you know, maybe that's the more dangerous, that's more alluring. Someone my yeah. own age, like, come on, like there's so I many guess. people my own age, but but eventually, like, yeah, you know, he comes around. Their first date is a doozy, holy shit. We will <laughs> like, get there. They go out to the alleyway to divvy mm-hmm. up the funds, and there's this guy whose literal name is Dummy. Oh so like gosh. on High School Summer Party, the last few episodes, Brian has <laughs> implemented new new categories, new awards. One of them is like which high schooler does not look like a high schooler Elvis, Elvis. Uh, but one is just like if they remade this today what would be changed like what's maybe problematic the long duck dong award a character who can't speak named dummy is mm-hmm. not exactly great but nope. what is really good storytelling I guess is that Elvis does him a kindness mm-hmm. because Shark Vic Morrow is just like Oh, he he can't talk. He's a dummy. Yeah, what's he need money for? Here's five dollars. Like we get, we are all we're, the three of us are gonna split in the other ninety or whatever, right? Elvis is like, no, give me five, give me five, give me yeah, five. Equal. Here's equal share. And that one act of kindness, I guess, after a life of being bullied, Dummy then literally saves Elvis's life and kills Max. At the end. <laughs> at I mean, the not end. intentionally. No, but like, yeah, but ends up saving his life at the end. But what's even crazier is that after Elvis leaves, he's like, he's like, you let me know if they mess with you anymore, right, Dummy? <laughs> and he's like, yeah, okay. And then Vic Morrow, like, doesn't take the money back, like, abides by Elvis's justice and stuff. I think he's afraid like, of Elvis. He is scared. Well, at least for now, right? Until, like, he starts working Until for Maxie. Until supporting him. Yeah, yeah and that, he's got a great arc in this movie, Shark. So then they all go to the club, and this is where we first meet Walter Matthau. I just gotta say, I was like, who's this not Walter Matthau actor they got? Because I had never seen him this young in a film before. What is he? What would I know? I know he's from Grumpy, Grumpy Old, Old Men. Men. Yeah. Uh, but I knew that, him from but that was like later in his life. Bad like, that's News 30 Bears. Years like, that, I mean, what, that, what, where was he famous in the 50s or was he just like a regular, like a working actor? I think he was mostly like a regular working actor because I didn't really become aware of him until like Taking of the Fellum and Bad News Bears. So like his 70s, late 70s work is where I really kind of okay. latched onto him. But this but is still 20 years before I that. know. I, well, that's the thing. I didn't know he was around back then. So the first scene where he's introduced, I'm like, they got the prototype of yeah. Walter Matthau. But no, it turns out to be him. Actual Walter Matthau. And he's great in it's this. crazy. And Ronnie says something like, you know, she greets Elvis or whatever. And he's oh. like, how do you know? How do you know him? And how do you know my Dude, girl? he is insane, and right? And Elvis is like, you know, for as streetwise as he is, like he doesn't get the hierarchy. Like he's, he's not afraid of. I guess that's also the thing. Like he's not right. afraid of Maxie. Right. And then, he, and then she like has to like. Well, you know, I saw him sing once. I told him he has a nice voice. Like that's it. And he's like, oh, I hear you can sing. Sing for us, monkey. Like dance for us. And that's when he sings Trouble. And then that's when Maxie's like, hey, work for me. And he's like, no, no, no. Well, it's crazy because he sings Trouble like to Maxie. He's like, I'm Trouble. Like, you don't want to fuck with me. You know, like those are kind of like what the lyrics are implying, right? It's like, you know, don't make me mad kind of thing. And then he gets off stage and Maxie's like, yeah, you know what, kiddo? Like, you can't sing. Sorry about that. Just checking. Just making sure. Like, Crazy. I was like, this guy is a psycho. <laughs> you might be banging my girl, but, like, you know, she's not lying but about at least, this. Yeah. At least, yeah. 
<laughs> at least this one. At thing. least I can make a buck off. Oh yeah, he flat out he flat out is like, I'm not gonna work for you. And then that isn't that when King Creole's owner like comes right up and he's like, Come work for me. Like I got nothing to do with this guy. My next note is about the first date he has with Nelly. Oh my goodness. Where okay. he picks her up after the five and dime closes and then he just straight up brings her to a hotel. Dude, have you ever heard of this where it's like we're gonna go to a party at a hotel, you get there and it's an empty room <laughs> and she's just like Oh, this isn't for me. But then, like the rest of the movie, she's like racked with guilt. She's like, "I almost did it." But it's like, "But you didn't." Right. But, I but guess then she's different... like, "I wish I was that kind of person." She's supposed to be the polar opposite of the other woman in, yeah. in Elvis's life and everything like that. So it, it goes a little too far, maybe, with her. But it's funny. That's the problem. Like it just kind of ends up being funny. Like she confesses to him. I don't think it's funny because I think it's like because I feel like she's no. It's not to be supposed so to be funny. Sweet and innocent, and she like she she just feels like she is trapped in this small town even though it's New Orleans, but it feels like a small town, sort of. <laughs> and she wants a new life, and she doesn't, you know, nobody in her life is exciting, and we don't know anything really about her, mm-hmm. but obviously she wants him because, she's like, this guy comes in, robs her store, and she's like, ooh, yeah, this guy. But 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 she's also like, I don't know why I like you so I'm like, yes, you do, because he's hot as hell, because he's Elvis, because yeah. of the way he looks. Yeah. And that's okay. That's all right. Get to know him. But once you get to know him and you find out that he's, like, a hoodlum, don't stay with him if you don't want to just because he's good looking. <laughs> yeah. It's like just because he's Elvis. Because then you're just trapped. Then it parallels the relationship with the women in Maxi in the way that he treats them. You know, like they just hang around him for dependency at that point. And it's like, you don't want to be like that. You don't want to just be hanging around Elvis. Then we find out that Elvis is basically like the Hulk because they're like, hey, sing again. You just sang so good. And he's just like, I was, that's because I was mad. They're like, well, then stay mad. It's like, <laughs> okay. Charlie LeGrand who is the owner of King Creole, okay. is like, hey, invite me over for dinner. I'll clear I'll clear up the whole thing with your dad. And he can't, but that's where he successfully picks up Elvis's sister. Mm-hmm. Isn't that weird that, like, even the principal comes over, or the dad's like, I had a talk with the principal. You can go to night school and finish, and, and it's like, no, man, you just don't get it. And then the club owner comes over, and it's like, your son could make, like, a lot of money. And his dad's like, I don't care. Like, yeah. that's not work. It's like, wait a second, though. He's getting paid for doing something. That's work. Like, yeah. I don't understand. Elvis mentions that he wants a pink convertible, which at this point ah, he already had his pink Cadillac. Nice. Apparently the first one caught on fire or something. Because I, I Googled when did Elvis buy his pink Cadillac because that, that's like one of his like hallmark yeah. classic cars or whatever. And it said in 1955 he bought his second one after the fire ruined the first. So I, don't, hmm. I didn't look into that. Okay. But he already by this point had the pink Cadillac. So nice. pink convertible just drawing on real life. So then Danny Boom Boom Fisher as he's credited, opens the Night of King Creole, but first we hear Banana, and then they introduce him as the boy with the beat, Danny Fisher, singing King Creole, and people, not on board at first, then quickly love it. Yeah, it's like an instant hit. It's like no one's ever seen anything, and this seems to be the thing about Elvis in movies, is like, where, what? It's like Marty McFly at the end of the sea dance. It's like, where did this come from? Like, who is this guy? Like, this. Like, what is happening to my ears? Yeah. Like, I can't... Like, everything changed in that moment. And that's when I say, put his name up in lights. <laughs> yeah. So then there's a second date. That's when they're on their boat we were talking about. Mm-hmm. A little more tame there. She says, I told my mother about you. I told her I met a million-dollar boyfriend in a five and ten cent store. Mm. Which is a great line. A lot of good writing here. And then Elvis says he wants to be somebody before he's a family man. He says, don't fall in love with me she's like i won't just kiss me <laughs> and he kisses her on the cheek she's like i want more it's like <laughs> it's 
pump the brakes a little bit. So then this is where I feel like the movie becomes more of the classic, the prototypical Elvis movie, because basically every 10 minutes for the last, like, 50, he's singing another song. Mm-hmm. I mean, it makes sense. It fits. No, you're because right, Because he's though. a nightclub singer, but it's like, okay, this is where he plays Young Dreams. This is where he plays New Orleans. This is where he plays well, Don't Ask Me Why. It's, like, brilliant to make him a nightclub singer, yeah. you know? It's like we talk about later, like, how well are the mu- how well is the music integrated into the movie? Like, perfectly, in this instance, you know? But it does become a bit overkill because we have to get away from the story and it becomes sort of like a boss rush at the end of this movie, right? Where it's like, oh, we got to do this and now we got to do this and, like... Nice, nice phrase, I like that. <laughs> you know? <laughs> I think that's why I don't really like the back third as much as the first two thirds because I feel like so much happens. Like, yeah, it, it makes sense. Space it out. It tracks like they set things up to just like oh like what was originally just kind of like a kind of a romance kind of noir like him trying to get by suddenly then shark and his guys are like hey we'll beat up your dad's boss and show him what's what mm-hmm. but then his dad is wearing the coat and jacket because it's or the hat the hat and jacket or whatever because yeah, it's, it's raining, raining. and so then shark beats him up anyway later admits i knew it was your dad all along but then, like, that sets him into the hospital, yeah. and then that's when he needs this expensive surgery, and then that's when one of Maxie's guys is like, don't worry, Maxie's got it, no, and then yeah. Elvis falls under Maxie's thumb, and Maxie's like, hey, you're going to work for me, I just paid for your dad's surgery, by the way, if you don't work for me, I'm going to tell him that you mugged him, and then, <laughs> yeah. oh, by the way, after you sign the contract, I'm going to tell him anyway just because I'm an asshole, and I'm, yeah. you know, I, I have you under my thumb. Like, that needs to be doled out over the course of the second act. And not just sort of like shoved in towards the end of the movie like that, because it is it it, bec- it it is sort of like head spinning. I was like, wait, like, oh, slow down, come on. Because like- I feel like movies, you can tell that movies either have a slow part or like craziness is by following along. And I wasn't really following along through the entire movie, but like I open up the wiki plot summary, and it's just like the last like three paragraphs is like there's so much that happens <laughs> and it's like and then this person dies it's like wait what what is going on like it just feels feels of a good like a really good pace and maybe if this movie again Elvis's longest ever right mm-hmm. but if it was another 45 minutes I feel like this would all feel more natural mm-hmm. but it feels like maybe because the first two thirds had taken its time to great effect they're like well we can't have a three hour movie but I kind of would have liked a three-hour movie yeah it almost deserves that or dare i say you know it we got to get the version without the music right like the original cut with james dean in new york you know what i'm I saying i guess we do have like 15 or 20 minutes of just actual music yeah here. like that kind of takes up space and you know it's good it's good i'm glad it's in this version although the question would be if it's the original version do we have 15 minutes of just boxing we might oh good call but I don't know. It's it's hard because like something you could do with, with that is sort of like you could do storytelling through a boxing match. You can't really do that. Well, I guess you can. I don't know. I just don't get the sense that they're telling any story or I'm getting any new information through Elvis after the one song he sings about yeah. like being trouble. The rest of the music doesn't really like, service the, the scene a, a for any reason. Toward the end, like as long as I have you or whatever, as long as I have you, like that. Yeah, that's when like, I do like it though. Like that's what I like most but about basically the music. yeah songs like six through ten or. Whatever whatever, just like, he's just singing songs to sell records. Yeah, yeah. Which isn't bad, but it's just no. like, you had done such a good job of like, fitting these in naturally and having them to some extent progress the Like story the robbery the was perfect, yes. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like he gets so much information in that scene. It's great. So, so then Maxie sends Shark to <laughs> jump Elvis. Maybe kill Elvis or scare Elvis, I don't know. 
And Elvis does a great thing where, like, he takes the one goon out, and then Maxie's like, or not Maxie, Shark is like, you got him, and Elvis is like, yeah. And then he oh, comes right, around the corner, right. and then Elvis squares up with him, Shark cuts his arm, and then Elvis jams Shark's knife into Shark's heart, yep. killing him. Yeah, that's brutal. I've and never seen never that. And he never faces punishment. Never going to see that again in an Elvis movie. Never thought I'd ever see that in an, in an Elvis movie. Murder but- Elvis. That is a great gag. He's so street smart that when he kills the one thug, he pretends to be that thug yeah. that had just killed him. I don't him. think he kills the first one. I th- he maybe or knocked him out, yeah. out or whatever, but I'm, I'm just assuming they're all going to bleed out in the street. Yeah. <laughs> like, no one's it's coming amazing. to them. So then this is where like shit is breaking bad, and then Ronnie basically rescues him and brings her to or brings him to her secret bayou home. Like oh just yeah, out on the water. So this, this is like classic film noir kind of shit, where like the hero's bleeding out and they're just at the hideout. Yeah, but it's like on the one pier. It's like it's so unhidden. <laughs> well, you can, the, I guess the upside is that you can see somebody coming from literally a mile away. But right? where do you go? She doesn't have you a can't. boat. They're just like on the pier, like please don't shoot me. They're like they're relying on dummy. Yeah, I wrote down this point. Like I still don't understand why he doesn't love Nelly this much. Like he's so into Ronnie, well, and she's just proven to be. She's got a, gr- a great set of legs, as you know. She won best oh, legs in Maine. That scene, which is a very awkward scene. Like she pulls her skirt up like above the knee. I'm like, ooh, this is racy for mm-hmm. 1958. It is, but it's just like she's attractive and she's an older, I guess, experienced woman. But it just feels like you know. And I guess maybe we because you figure. He's going to wind up with Nellie, but like, it just seems like Nellie is the one, and yet Ronnie is just, he's so smitten with her. You know what's really weird, too, is there's that one moment where Elvis goes to see Ronnie, and Maxie's asleep, and she's like, basically, like, you get to fuck me. And then if you do that, like, you work for Maxie, and like, you could do that anytime you want. And but if like, you, you, have if you me. send me away too soon, he's going to think I did a bad job, and he's going to beat me up. And he doesn't do it, and, and you'd be so, like, like, we don't right. have to have sex, but like, I need to stay here for a while. <laughs> yeah, it's bizarre, too, but it's also like... Oh, and also, by the why... way, you're going to owe Maxie money for like, whatever time we spend. It's so weird, because you know he wants her, like, he kissed her, they've been making out or whatever, and stuff like that, so I would be like, oh, wait, that's the deal sealer right there for Elvis like this is the end for him and no he's like I don't want anything to do with you like that he's like I don't think of you that way he should come at me in other directions because <laughs> which he does yeah Maxie shows up and Dummy is with him for some reason or maybe Dummy his driver. followed him oh he's the driver yeah. Okay. yeah 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 and then this is when he tries to shoot at Elvis hits and kills Ronnie yeah which I guess you know he'd be upset by but also just like he's just she's expendable or whatever Dummy tackles him into the water, and then he, the a, gun goes off again. There's a real birds of prey vibe going on here at the end on the pier shootout, yeah. black mask, and yeah, everything yeah, like yeah. that. Because there's that one moment when Elvis Wait, like so Maxi is you McGregor. Yeah, wow. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Okay. But I love the moment when he's shooting at Elvis and Elvis like ducks behind the pier pole and it, you see like the little like bullet shot go off. I was like, ooh, like Elvis must got shot in the face. This is uh, this is good, good, tr- good shootsman, good, good marksmanship. And then after that all goes down, he just goes back to the club. Nelly, you're the one for me. I'm going to sing this <laughs> love song to you. Outside it says return engagement indefinite state. It's just like, hey, he's here for good. Yep. I said it feels like a whole lot. Like in both this movie <laughs> and Loving You, he could have solved so much trouble just by being like, oh, Nelly, you're my girl. I'm not going to mess with anything else. Like these two movies would have had zero conflict if he's just like, so, you're the one for me. What's even crazier now is why is he singing at the King Creole now that Maxie's dead? Why doesn't he just take that guy's restaurant and have his own place? And now he's like, he's 19. I mean, he's. <laughs> 
<laughs> Thanks. See, thank you. You have to remind me. I, I, I said it earlier and I totally forgot. It's like you totally forget that this is all surrounding a 19-year-old kid. And they're like, kill that kid. Kill that boy, that young, that very young man. Get him. Yeah. At the very end, his dad finally shows up to hear him sing. Aww. And he looks very into it. And it's like a happy ending all over the place. That reminded me of something, too. It was Maybe it was like a lost moment or something like that, I think. I feel where, like, maybe Jack showed up at, like, his son's thing. Was that when he first talked to Dogen or something? Where it was like, he was estranged from his son, and he showed up in the back, and he saw him, and it was like, that's that was the moment. It's also a very, uh, and that's not exactly, because they have a good relationship, but in Logan Lucky, right, where Channing shows up for his daughter. That's That might even be it. That might even be what I was, yes. And I think that's the movie, right? That's basically... That's wild. It's good, though. It's a good one. So here are the songs. We need to figure out what the best song in the movie is. We have got Crawfish to open the movie. We've got Steadfast Loyal and True, which he sings under Dress the Club. Which is his high school alma mater. Like, it's not really a song song, quote-unquote. It's him singing by himself, like, for 20 seconds. Yeah, a lot of these songs... I mean, all the Elvis songs are basically two minutes or under. This is, like, a minute ten. Like, this is the shortest one. Lover Doll, which is the distraction of the five and dime. Trouble which is what he proves to Maxie that he and Ronnie aren't lying. Dixieland, he's on stage. Young Dreams, I think he's on stage. New Orleans, he's on stage. Hardhead Woman, he's on stage. Or maybe, I don't even know if we hear the whole Hardhead Woman. I think no, we, come, we don't. We, we come we in at the end of that. the middle of that, right? Yeah, that's right. Then he follows that up with King Creole. Then Don't Ask Me Why on stage. And then As Long As I Have You at the very end. So which of those do you think... So, what's your favorite? What's the best song in this movie? I don't know if you remember this, but like coming into this whole Elvis deal like king creole is like my favorite elvis song right now Ooh. so like i have to go with that it may not be the best song in the movie but i mean it what am i supposed to do it's like yeah. it came on and i started going crazy i love the use of lover doll like that's my favorite yes use of the very song of the movie. yeah that's a great scene trouble's a great song i think as long as i have you is a great song so we can say i'll go king creole i mean the titular song is important but here's the question best elvis song so far is it better then Lonesome Cowboy. Oh, dude. I'm such a lonesome cowboy. I think, that's, I mean, like, I think it's, that's great. That is not really my jam ordinarily, you know, but it just personifies yep. Elvis so well. Like, I don't know that even if even if I like King Creole more, I think that's a better song. If Is that weird? Is that no. make sense? Yeah. I like my favorite movies are not the best movies I've ever right. seen, right? So right. on a scale of one to ten, ten is perfectly natural how natural do the songs that elvis sings fit into the movie like so far we had a six in love me tender we had an eight in loving you because he was a mm-hmm. singer on the road and then we had a five in jailhouse rock because why is he singing yeah, that, many, no. that many times in a prison close to it like, i don't know what's going to feel more like closer to 10 but like uh, like a nine? nine i was thinking yeah because like you know what really helps is that one time we come in at the end of a song like that really that's a really cool trick yeah. that the director did to be like oh yeah it's so natural and everything I think there's just one or two moments that like not that they don't work they're just like that keeps it from being a 10 I guess I don't know maybe because I think there's, maybe there's too many if there are a, few, a couple that's fewer it. it's like yeah we understand like we understand that he's an established singer we don't need to see him sing every night at the club that's the thing the way they worked it into the rest of the movie like prove yourself steal this stuff serenade her like you know what I'm saying like they did it so well off stage in the movie too if they had found maybe one or two other ways to do that off stage right. then it would have been a 10 for sure but damn if it's not like so close that's so far for sure though yeah if you remember <laughs> every episode we guess what the next movie's about so oh, for this movie you said okay. Elvis and, Nor- and Nola which you were right nice Kara said he, she thought there was gonna be an oversized crawfish which there is not but there's a, but song, there's a crawfish. song crawfish and then I said he wrestles an alligator which did not happen unfortunately <laughs> I think I have a new default what I want my next Elvis movie to be that I'm just gonna keep using until it happens which is 
Elvis gets amnesia. So you think GI Blues? Is, he gets oh amnesia? shit, that's next thing. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, he can't get in. Unless he gets about? amnesia and he ends up in the army, and he's like, "How did I get here?" <laughs> no, GI Blues, I think, is going to be about you know, not not only does he just go to the army, but I think there might be like a Don Draper situation going on Ooh. where like he takes the dog tags of a fallen friend and like continues on in his name kind of thing. I'm gonna say. He goes to the army. Did I just spoil like all of Mad Men? By the way? No, that's okay. really early on. Okay, Dick okay. Dick Whitman stuff like because I've only the seen the first two seasons. Like, that's, yeah, that's in season okay, two. First, I think first yeah. season or something. Because I always thought that was like the big reveal, but it's like it's not. But no. also, yeah. Also, it doesn't really change. They just you just know that he's kind of a scumbag, but you kind of get that he's a scumbag from the beginning anyway. Right, right. I think just that this is going to be lives. he's singing. I just see like a thing where he's singing love songs via letter to a girl back home. <laughs> it's funny. I know you don't really watch SNL, but they do a pretty funny skit where, like, uh, there are war letters corresponding back and forth, and they're just, like, increasingly ludicrous. But, like, I, I like the idea of, like, singing through song through letter. Because he's just, like, you know, it starts... It's kind of like what you did on the recent Cruise Club episode where Valkyrie, where he's, like, he's speaking German, it becomes English. It's like he's yeah. just writing a letter and it becomes a song. <laughs> Dude, what if this turns out to be his full metal jacket and it's just, like, the, like, most honest disgusting depiction of war at the time <laughs> and it just happens like the fury of the day <laughs> like starring Elvis best job he ever had <laughs> so the IMDb rating for this is a 6.3 which is right in line with the first three okay. movies 3,000 people have seen it which I think is just sort of right in line with the other movies Letterbox rating of 2.9 which ties our lowest so far. 940 people have seen it on Letterboxd, which is right in line with everything that's not Jailhouse Rock. So There's like a small community of Elvis fans out there watching the movies and logging it on Letterboxd, so we know. Yeah. And then the final segment on the show, Riley Keough update. Anything going on in Riley Keough's oh. life? I know she voted. She uh, she felt the burn. She voted for Bernie Sanders in the okay. primary. She, you know how they're doing all these Instagram things where it's like, what Simpson character are you or whatever? Oh, yeah, and she, like, which A24? Yeah, and she went to a whole bunch of them. She's like, oh, I didn't Audition get that. One, read for this one. Yeah, yeah table read, one. never called back. Yeah, I was trying to figure out in Uncut Gems, I, we figure she must have been, because I asked my friends oh, last the Adam night. Sandler's girlfriend, right? Yeah, but like, it feels like she's too famous for that. Like, it feels like... Maybe Julie that's Fox why they didn't go with her. Like, like, there's something because they probably looked at her because of the girlfriend experience. Was like, oh, yeah. it's sort of a very similar. Because she's kind too young of... for the Dina Menzel role, right? So, yeah, like, that's what I was going to bring up. She's got a movie coming out soon that Lola. sounds amazing. Yeah. yeah. Where she's not the stripper who went viral, but she's like another whatever. She's another girl in the club with her. So yeah, right. Oh, I saw the lodge. Oh, what she's in. And mm. oh well. So it's by the directing team, the man and the woman who made Goodnight Mommy. Okay. Did you see Goodnight Mommy? No, but I'm aware of it. So I know about it. David Ehrlich had a really good review on Letterboxd. He said, Goodnight Mommy had logic issues. The Lodge is a logic issue. <laughs> the and, logic issue. <laughs> and Riley Kia was great, as she always is. It feels so much like an Ari Aster, Ari Aster knockoff, ripoff, because it feels mm, like it wants to be both Hereditary and Midsummer all in one movie. Oh, no. And it's too I kind of figured out what the, a twist was. I don't know if it's the twist, but like a big twist was. And I'm just like, oh, yeah, it's, it ends in a way. And like, it just, it, it, it lost me okay. part of the way through. And it, just, it just never recaptured me. All right. But, you know, if you want to see her in a movie, that's great. Go see The Lodge. Yeah. I don't love the movie, but actually, I found out. So I looked at Riley Keo's Instagram for the A24 thing because <laughs> I think Ashley Benson. So this is like a weird domino event, but I was looking at Vanessa Hudgens' Instagram story. Okay. And obviously she was in Spring Breakers with Ashley Benson. Mm -hmm. And so I looked at Ashley Benson's Instagram story, and she did the thing, and she got American Honey, and she tagged Riley Keough. Oh. And so then Riley Keough did three or four, and she's like, read for this one, read for this and one. And one was Spring one, Breakers. Yeah. yeah. Crazy. Any other thoughts about 
King Creole? This is a very, very good one. I mean, it just I'm just a little nervous about the future, but I'm sure it'll be fine. You know, I mean, it, you I'm know, it's the court of public opinion. Full. Like, it's a, yeah, it's, it's a great movie. No, you know, it's a great Elvis movie. It's a great Elvis movie. I'll just say, like, if someone's going to sit down, if you really just... Okay, I, I think there's going to be categories. There's going to be Elvis movies that only Elvis can be in, and then Elvis movies that you could replace Elvis with a good actor, and it'll still be a very good movie. And this is one of those. This is probably the first and maybe the only one. <laughs> we'll see. But this seems like, yeah, like Elvis is great in it. But like, yeah, I understand you could put, they should remake this today. Like, that's how I feel about it. Like, remake this, have it take place as a period piece. You know what I'm saying? I don't know who you can get in there these days. Maybe Spider-Man. It's Tom Holland could play the role or something like that. I don't know. Star of the new animated film Onward. That's right. With, with Chris Pratt. Star-Lord. Yeah, I think this is a really good movie. People should check it out. Yeah. For all things Viva Pod Vegas, all four episodes so far, you can go to cageclub.me, facebook.com, slash cageclub, or at cageclubpod on Twitter and Instagram. Email us, king, I think, at cageclub.me, okay. or just mailbag at cageclub.me. Check out our new Cage Club episode, which will be out before this, of Color Out of Space. Nice. Check out Mike and my weekly alternating podcast, Cruise Club and Hanks for the Memories. Check out the aforementioned Foodie Films and High School Summer Party, all 26 shows, cageclub.me slash shows. I'm Joey Lewandowski. And I'm Mike Manzi. And we'll see you next time right here on Viva Pod Vegas. So thank you very much. There's a man in New Orleans who plays a rock and roll. He's a guitar man with a great big soul. He lays down a beat like a ton of cola. He goes by the name of King Creole. You know he's gone, gone, gone. Jumping like catfish on a pole.